0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. My name is Jason here with Brian, David, Caleb, and Tommy. And we want to dedicate this episode to any of our listeners who have either been in prison or thought about being in prison or considered how they would react if they were put into prison. Now, for those of you who know that we occasionally talk about biblical concepts here, we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas are in prison, but not just why they're in prison, what happened to them in prison, but there's a lot that people tend to miss with this whole event. And David was actually thinking about this the other day, and there was a lot of things that came to his mind. And We wanted to explore those. So I'm going to throw it to you, David, and kind of let you give us an overview of what was on your mind with this
1: and where we want to go. Well, we're talking about the story of Paul and Silas in prison as, you know, and I'm gonna give a really brief summary of it because I'm sure everyone probably knows the story. But Paul and Silas are in Philippi, and there's a slave girl that has is demon-possessed, and she's crying out that the men are servants of the most high god, and she's really annoying Paul and Silas, and then Paul casts out the demons out of the girl. Then the owners of the slaves saw that their gain was gone. And then Paul and Silas get dragged, beaten, into prison. And then Paul and Silas are praising God. Earthquake. The prison's doors are opened. Everyone's... And then the jailer is converted and... The Church of Philippi is created through the jailer, or as is believed. Um, It's a very brief summary, and it goes over a lot of things. But, I mean, I guess the first thing I found interesting in the story was how the owners managed to get all these people to instantly hate Paul and Silas who are completely innocent people, did absolutely nothing wrong in the span of a day, right? Like that day, all of a sudden, they got everyone so angry that they were beaten without charge, anything, and they were just thrown into prison, like the darkest area of the prison, right? Mm -hmm. The inner prison. And they weren't put under charge or anything, I'm just kind of curious what your guys' thoughts are on, like, how powerful Satan can move through groups of people
2: into such a rage of terror. I think one thing that uh, stands out as he's doing that overview of the story is nobody was really, like like you were saying, no one's bothering Paul and Silas until actually they free this girl. So I just think of the the irony of that. Someone who has been under an oppression, uh, in this case, it was a demon oppression, but just think about anyone that's been in an oppressed situation, they're set free, but now that person is no longer profitable to the one that actually owns them or is in control of them or has been able to influence that person. Now, all of a sudden, they hate the person that set them free. I think there's a huge dynamic in our world today of that exact picture taking place and i i really liked what david as he was we were talking about this earlier today david is was, was sharing how there was nothing done like the people were not mad at paul and silas but this one man who owned the girl in a short amount of time so persuaded the people that paul and silas were beaten and thrown in prison, and they didn't do anything. Like, they didn't do anything. So I, I just I just think that really just kind of baffles my mind. And so if this is taking place in Acts almost 2,000 years ago, and we still see it today, why are we shocked? And what do you think is really going on in that scenario that's affecting the community against Paul and Silas in this moment? All they're doing is setting someone free.
0: i I think there's something in that that it's a mentality that spans centuries and generations in people because if you read the story and maybe they were more specific in their accusations but all we have recorded is them going to the authorities and generally saying hey these guys are troublemakers and they're teaching stuff that's not okay there wasn't this here's a specific charge let's talk about it it was just These guys are bad and mean and they're saying stuff we don't like. And if you don't see the parallels with today, then I cannot help you because that's that's how things operate in our society today. There's rarely this. Let's have a calm, rational discussion about what the issue is and see if we can resolve it. It's just this outrage of, oh, no, they did something to my profit or to my business or my comfort zone. So I'm going to lash out in generalities and see if I can destroy their reputation. It's just crazy
2: yeah, I'm gonna read I'm gonna read the exact verse real quick, and then you can uh, comment again, just so for the listener. it's Act sixteen nineteen. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. they and their ac- accusation was these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs. Which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up.
3: Yeah, what I was thinking is I think the key there is that when the owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, and I think like when individuals become free from something, whether it's like a group or um, like something like even today, like if you're addicted to something, like when you become free from that, the people who are benefiting from the lack of your freedom are no longer going to be receiving that benefit whatever that is it doesn't even have to be financial so i think that's even like how i think in high school you could see like when all of a sudden a kid starts like if like what i saw is when i when somebody in my high school might get saved or something they would kind of start getting made fun of because they were no longer a part of the group that they were cuz now they were independent of that group and something else and so that friend group saw as, oh, this thing costs one, us one of our friends who is benefiting us for having our friend group or our social group. So I think it's, like, across the board, it's whenever, like, freedom makes a person independent of the thing that they were attached to, that thing is going to try and get them back and whatever means necessary and attack anything else that um, took that away. So it's kind of like you see that tribal mentality of, like, you remove this thing from us. So now our group is going to take action against you. And I think we see that in a lot of things, whether it's like political or social issues, even it's the second you like elevate a person above like the group's state, then that's when you're a problem because you've actually taken action that has affected this overall mentality or tribal thinking.
1: Actually, I just want to point out one more thing is that, Like, on the same note, like, how quickly, like, bad information about people can spread. Like, gossip or this or that, right? Like, it spreads so fast negative information that the positive information isn't really checked, almost. Like, if you've even seen politics or literally anything, it's, like, just a proven fact that Bad information spreads way faster, and that's why majority of the information that's popular is bad information. And I just thought that was an interesting point on that. But the other thing is that Paul and Silas didn't say anything about so in verse thirty seven when they're about to be let free, Paul and Sil or Paul says that. We have been beaten publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens uh, thrown into prison. And so they're like, this is just a proof right here in verse 37 that they're uncondemned Roman citizens, that they can't be put in jail. And they make no mention of this prior, what could have gotten them out, I
2: think. I mean, maybe they couldn't have said anything, but... Well, think about when it, when the men came before the magistrates and say these guys are Jews and they're teaching things against our customs as Romans. They could have easily said, "No, no, no, we are Roman citizens," and that isn't what we're doing. They make no to your point. They make no defense. They let it's almost like they let this play out. That's what was kind of interesting because they bring a defense later and use that as a strong statement. Oh no, we're not leaving because we're Roman citizens and you had no right to do this to us but they say nothing at the beginning they let the whole system play out and i even as you were springing up that point i think what wisdom think about the spirit of wisdom that was in them like restraining them don't say it now just let it go don't say it now just let it go and it when it hit it was way more powerful than had they said it at the beginning they they made their it's like the the time bomb or the nuclear bomb got all the way into the most powerful point where it would have the most damage. Then they let off the bomb versus launching it at the beginning.
4: I think it's interesting to see the power that they have by staying in control of the situation. They know what the outcome is, but they're still exploring the journey. And I think that's where the powerful, like, Thoughts come from the story is that they needed to go to prison for a reason. Whether that reason was justified or not, they still needed to go. And I think that's the wisdom that we should take from the story is that although bad things might be happening to you, there's wisdom in seeing what is the outcome, what's the fruit come from this. Because I think so. E- it's so easy to uh, like someone uh, attacks you. For a certain thing, like a belief or like getting out of the the pack and being set free. It's so easy to put up your guards right away and play the defense and go right back at them. But that means you're out of control because you're letting those people dictate your response to the situation. Where you should really be in control and let all the facts and information come before you make a response like
2: that. This may or may not apply, you guys comment on it, but I was just thinking about, you know, Jesus makes that statement, if they strike you on one side of the cheek, turn the other cheek, if they take your robe, you know, give them your cloak also, if they ask you to go one mile, go two. It seems like this is one of the best scenarios to fit the example of what he's trying to talk about, in that, like, to your point, I don't think they actually... uh. I don't think like they said, okay, we're going to get beaten here. Uh, We need to go to prison uh, so we can meet this guy. I think it was more, I agree with you you in the sense that, let's put it this way, that wasn't a bother to them. Like whether they're going to be put in prison, it was like they were so set on the mission. Because one thing that wasn't uh, brought up initially on the story is before they ever went into Philippi, they had a vision of a man that was calling them to help so they were on a mission and they knew that vision was from god they were on a mission to find that person so whatever the whatever happened to him in the in the in the middle of that didn't matter they were going to get to that vision they were going to find that man and i just think now back to your point on this is that they didn't consider their own lives in the matter and and i think that just played to such their advantage but i think when they're even praising god you know i think there was this element of we're not sure like i i do think it was like we're not sure how this is going to turn out like this this doesn't seem very productive but it seems like there was a sense of peace to your point tommy we're going somewhere we're not sure how this whole journey thing supposed to take place and here we are stuck in not the prison that's on the outskirts where it's a little bit easy and people come and say hi and drop off. They got shoved into the center of the prison and they're praising God. And, you know, I, I just can not imagine what a Roman prisons like, you know, it's, I don't think it's like our prisons today where it's actually easier to live in our prisons than on the streets. Um, I think it may have been worse in that, in the, in those days, but just sitting there, just pondering that whole thing. And they don't play the defense card to your point. And I just, there's, there, it's, it's so strategic, like, but they don't know necessarily what the strategy is, but they know in that moment, we're strategic, we're in charge. We know who we are and we're not surrendering. Like I, it just is a really powerful moment.
0: So without going, without taking up too much time on this story, uh, just, the last few months, I've gotten some firsthand experience of what it it looks and feels like to walk through a scenario where you have this word from your father, which they had, like you were saying, Brian, that they knew they were on this mission for this this man from Macedonia. They actually weren't even there to to free a demon-possessed person. That that was kind of more of like a a side quest in their whole story. Like, okay, this is annoying. I'm gonna do this real quick, and then they move back on track. But when you have that word from your father, and you know that that's the path, there's things that come along that seem to be like these short-term jabs that are really, really, really uncomfortable and terrible and painful. And and, and it's, it's like there's these worldly people that will take a jab at you and they think they got something from you. So like they think they, they won something from you or they got you, they got what they wanted from you. But because you have this longer term vision of this word and you don't even exactly know how it plays out, there's a confidence that can settle in when you stand in that faith where it's, okay, I know they're doing this, but it's not going to it's not gonna take away from anything that I'm doing. It's not going to take away from what my father has called me to. And I had a really good experience with that a couple months ago where, well, we'll go into this story another time more in depth, but... I I should have died on my way to Brookings, South Dakota in a blizzard, but I didn't. And there's just this confidence that sets in to where you can endure these things that are supposed to, that the enemy or the people of the world, however cliche you want to use it, those things are meant to derail you and to cause pain, but it just, it doesn't knock you off track. And I really think that's what they were feeling in this moment. Because if you think about it, they're going about their business, preaching the word, This this lady freeing this person and then they move on and then oh five minutes later you're thrown in prison and you're beaten and all this terrible stuff happens and you probably have a couple opportunities to maybe say hey this isn't right you shouldn't be doing this to me but there's so much commotion and chaos going on but there's just something inside you that settles and you move through it and I don't think we have the chance to face those things very often most of us probably wouldn't want to face those things very often. They're extremely uncomfortable, as I'm sure Paul and Silas were experiencing. Getting beaten, not a very comfortable thing, especially when it's wrong. But I guess my point is, it's it's such a powerful and comforting thing when you have that word to hold back to. Like, okay, whatever happens is going to happen and I'm going to be fine. I'm getting through it. And I think that's why you can start to sing when you're in the middle of the prison.
3: I don't think I can say it better than Jason, but I think, um, like, to the point of, like, why they're able to sing in prison, I think, too, like, if they had defended themselves and said, like, oh, we are Roman citizens, I almost wonder if they would have thrown them in prison anyways, and then how would Paul and Silas have been feeling, because then they would have been feeling like, oh, we were, like, for them to not have the attitude of, we were wronged by people, and just sit there and be in self-pity and pouting the whole time in prison, like everybody else in prison would have been like, yeah, those guys really like aren't serious about what they believe or anything like that. And if they had tried to invoke the right of like, we're Roman citizens, this, this shouldn't be happening to us because like, we're, we're Roman citizens. We have these rights or like in our lives. If we, I'm in the kitchen, so it's my fault. Anyways, got that. But, um, so, in our lives, like, if we, like, I mean, just for me recently, like, some things haven't gone as planned, and for, like, two or three weeks at a time, anytime I was, like, why did, like, this shouldn't have happened to me, or, like, kind of having this victim mentality of, like, that, that wasn't the way it was supposed to go, or this, like, this shouldn't be happening to me because I'm this person, like, it'll ruin the whole experience. So, I think also from the perspective of them not saying like we're roman citizens and trying to defend themselves if they had defend them tried to defend themselves i think like we even try to defend ourselves internally sometimes against our own circumstances because we feel like it shouldn't be happening to us because oh the world's not fair and like like sometimes i think for me personally like we, i have this mentality or like christians have this mentality that oh because like I got saved and follow God. Like this shouldn't be happening to me now because I'm a good person. Like, you know, but like, I think if we choose not to take on this, like trying to defend ourselves, but instead like have this like strategic mindset, like you were saying, Brian and Jason, like what can we make come of this situation or what's the wisest way to go through this. And I think like it'll change us and especially people around us because um like other people are also probably thinking like they have the right to defend themselves or if they were in prison the prisoners would have been like they have a right to like be upset and everything but they chose not to and so i think that's what makes it impactful because they're sitting there singing and praising god instead of worshiping themselves because they think that they would be higher than the circumstances they're in and being upset and having self-pity so i think that's what makes it really powerful
0: do you guys think there's a technical aspect to it, too? And maybe you guys have looked into this. Maybe, David, you've, you've looked into this a bit more. But from a technical aspect, if they're on this mission to Macedonia, this ma- to meet this Macedonian man, maybe there's something technical about their journey to where he knows, if I play this, hey, I'm a Roman citizen card, then that means we're going to have to do this and do this and do this and go here and go here. And that's going to throw us off course. So I'm going to hold that back. And endure some really terrible, unjust things, because I don't want to be thrown off horse. Do you think there's something, to, something to that aspect of it? Because then it's not he's holding that I'm a Roman citizen card because there's a greater mission, and it's not well. I shouldn't have to endure this injustice because I'm a Roman citizen and I can play this card whenever I want. There's something bigger to it. Or maybe not. I mean,
1: I don't know. It could be that he just, because it does say this, like it says the Spirit will give you wisdom in court. And I think maybe Paul just is getting that wisdom in court. Because maybe, like, if he did say something like that, then he would have gone to court. But now he has the people angry at him. And as we have seen with Jesus people are angry at you it doesn't really matter what the laws are so um maybe it could have been something like that how the spirit just gives him wisdom or the spirit just gave him wisdom that maybe this is where you need to be but
2: it was definitely a spiritual wisdom not to bring that up you know as you guys are talking i think you're all right and what i mean by that is one like with with tommy hey we're going to go to prison and this is what's going to happen. There's this sense of optimism. There's also this sense of uh, um. there is the technical side. Like if they get, if they start taking this personal and making it about them, because remember if you're persecuted for righteousness sake, you should rejoice. If you're purchased, you're if you're persecuted because you do something wrong, that's a whole different thing. But if it's for righteousness sake, you're not there to defend yourself. Because it's not about you. You're, Yeah, you're the one stuck in it, but it's not about you. And so when you're walking that out. So I think there's an aspect of all of this going on at the same time. And it's so easy in the hindsight to look at. Wow, had they done this, this would have wrecked these points. And had they done this, it would have wrecked this. And had they done this, it would wreck this. But like Jason, you were uh, kind of bringing up and Caleb, you were alluding to when you're in the middle of it and you really you know where you're going you know you're going to get there but that but the journey through is like falling apart on every level and you're trying to do what you're supposed to be doing and it feels like it's all against you i think we have to put ourselves they could be paul and silas in those moments going back spirit of god where which direction do i go don't defend yourself all right but keep but keep in mind they're walking in the truth of what who they are, and they're walking in the truth of where God sent them, and they keep anchored into those points. So really, at the end of the day, what can come against you? And I think that's where Paul later on writes about, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. So he had been down these different little fun little journeys so many times, and he it's almost like this, this is his first one we see, though. And so it's kind of cool he's kind of modeling the, this new experience for for that he's in. So I just kind of want to encourage everybody when, when you're – keep in mind they're on a journey with God. It's not like they're sitting at home and all of a sudden they're watching TV and they don't have hope in life and these things are all happening and the roof caves in. Okay, it doesn't mean there's not mercy. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want to help. But don't put that in the same context as you're on a journey with God – you hear his voice there's a sense of confidence and it appears in a moment everything is coming against you and it's going to thwart that whole uh direction that's that's what we're in the middle of in this then there's
1: the fact that they're instead of like wallowing in their suffering and or lamenting or praying even they stay up till midnight it says that at about midnight instead of going to bed they stay up and start praying and sing hymns to God that's just powerful in
2: itself and curious to your guys' thoughts well being that we just traveled when you get really tired um and you're kind of really probably sore from all the beatings so I don't know about that side of it but I could just imagine you're bleeding or whatever, and you're kind of laying there and you decide to, st- and you're up till midnight and you're physically tired, mentally tired. And now you're probably hitting a point of sleep. You, you need to get some sleep. And that's when you begin praising God. I think that is just like, that didn't come from the flesh. That didn't come from just sucking it up and willing it to happen. It, it came from seeing something bigger. And I, I think that's just a really powerful.
1: Yeah. Like maybe they did just see like what God was going to do and they got a spiritual wisdom of what, why they just gave up their one card of getting out of a beating. <laughs> maybe they are in prison. And they're realizing that and they're coming to the realization and they're just praising God.
2: and and let me just throw out one more thought on this because i think we could spend probably so much time this this is like a rich story if they never got out of prison i don't think paul and silas cared and and what i mean by that is it wasn't like oh cool we get to stay here let's let's make our little house and we'll we'll make a nice little abode of it what i mean by they didn't care they followed god in that journey they set someone free miraculously and now they're in prison they're doing the right thing they're in the right place and they they are know that they did what god was pleased with there should be a place in us that that's satisfying enough even though it looks like what you're in is worse than what you could have ever if I would have just stayed home and not come to Macedonia. But I I don't think they felt that way. I think they felt (coughs) there was something in them driving forward. And don't think that their body wasn't saying something different to them. Don't think that their emotions weren't saying something different to them, but their spirit was solid. Like we are satisfied. That's where you praise God, not lament, not beg, not plead, not hope. Not any of those things. They just started praising God. So obviously, it wasn't like just some, maybe if we praise God, God will get us out of this. I know. Let's have a praise service so people can get out of their bondage. That's what we do. I don't think this is that. When you come to the point where you're praising, you don't care about the bondage anymore. Well, then the bondage has no power. So there can be an event that takes place, but it doesn't have to because inside you're already free. That's my little side note on that.
4: I can't help but think of being a a prisoner next to them. Like, could you imagine seeing like what they've gone through and then being like, are you kidding me? You're going to praise God right now? think of like the testimony of their belief and their faith for that. I think that's really, really, it's really, really inspiring. It's like what, when you're going through adversity, when you're going through trials, like think of all the people who are listening to your praise and listening to your prayers. Is it God, why are you doing this? Me? Oh, the turmoil. Oh, my faith is, broken because something bad is happening to me or he's still praising God
0: I'll just I'll throw this out there as an add to that as someone who's done quite a bit of worship music and praise over the years to do that after the beatings that late at night you know it's genuine you you can't force anything like that out after all that after you go through something like that you're just done. Just chill and rest and be quiet. You can sing it in your heart if you want, but you're not going to convince your body to sing and proclaim the majesty of God after that happens. The only way that happens if it is, is if it is so genuinely part of who you are that literally nothing can keep it out of you. Otherwise, you do three songs and a hymn and then you call it a night and that's it. <laughs>
4: I also wonder how often we give up before your earthquake will come. And I think it's also interesting to note here too, that the earthquake or what seemed as like their answer to their praise in him wasn't the answer. It's another really interesting part of the story is like, I would think if I'm praising the Lord and like, it just got beaten thrown in jail, man, if that door opens up, it's like, This is God, I'm supposed to get out of here. But that's not how they respond. That's really interesting.
2: I have been meditating on um, the story of King David with Ziklag. And um, there's a lot of backstory to it, so I'll abbreviate it to this point. But bottom line is they're in Ziklag, and the enemy comes in when they're gone and takes all of his men's stuff, their wives, their kids, Everything takes everything and everyone's distressed. And now they want to stone David. So David is in this situation. They want to stone him. And it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And as I was pondering that, my first thought when I was like encouraging himself in the Lord, because he's going to go, he's basically energizing himself so he can go get the stuff back. Right. Right. I, I, because a story, you, you kind of read stories and it goes fast and you kind of do that. But I, I slowed down and when I was reading. So David encouraged himself <laughs> in the Lord. And then he went to the priest, had the priest get the ephod, and he asked God, should I pursue? In other words, he was encouraged first, but he didn't know what the outcome was going to be with this, the getting everything back. So the encouragement of who you are into God and and God should be irrelevant of the circumstances that you're in. So it's not a manipulation to get the thing done. However, you won't go approach God in confidence to ask him questions until you (laughs) let him reaffirm you to who you actually are. And then God said, pursue, overtake, and recover. But if God would have said, no, you're not going to go get it, David would have been fine. I'm not saying he would have been naturally fine, like, oh, okay, cool, no problem. We'll just go about playing marbles on the ground. Like, I'm not talking about that there wouldn't be a sense of loss, but his identity wouldn't be stripped in it like he he could maintain who he was. And I see that in Paul. The circumstances don't have to change for us to walk in the joy and the completeness of him. However, our circumstances won't change if we don't walk in the joy and the wholeness and completeness of him. So they kind of seem to mesh together, but one doesn't manipulate the other, but one is necessary for the other to actually happen.
1: Okay, there's also the fact that when the earthquake happens, I mean, there is case like right before this Peter was let out of pri- led out of prison by an angel and this pretty clearly is a miracle that the earthquake shattered and broke everything right and so Paul just once again knew by the spirit that this jailer was like they were gonna help the jailer or save the jailer was gonna be saved and um the jailer knew that Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel so i think that either he was told of the that they were preaching the gospel or maybe they were witnessing to him as they went down into the jail cell maybe they already knew beforehand but somehow he knew that um that he wanted to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And so that's what he instantly went to Paul and Silas for after he realized that they pretty much just saved his life in that situation.
2: to Because to add to that, the beginning of that story, when all the doors were open, the jailer, because there's not lighting, it wasn't like he could flip a light switch and it was dark. He assumed that they escaped. So he grabbed a sword to kill himself because that's what they would kill him for letting them go. Keep that in mind. There's consequences for even miracles happening. So that jailer would have been killed had they left. So anyway, now we have the point that everyone. So here's what's cool. Paul and Silas are in the prison. Everyone in the prison's doors opened. And no prisoner left. Think about the impact and influence Paul and Silas are having on the whole prison. Wherever you're at, you're... The influence point, the kingdom of God is there. They influence everybody. Nobody leaves. Jailer sees it and they said, no, we're all still here. And that's what broke the jailer. Mm -hmm.
1: And then after the jailer was saved, Paul and Silas just went back in their jail cell with no knowing of what was going to happen. And then and then finally slept the night, waited till morning where. It was said that they could leave. I just think it's interesting that the jailer knew about the gospel message from them. Like it must have just radiated off them as they walked and like probably just preached it everywhere they went.
2: Everyone knew them as that. And so And the thing that you were was kinda uniquely that you're highlighting is even after the jailer gets saved. They still go back and spend the night in that miserable place after the doors are open, after they meet the guy that they're supposed to meet in Macedonia, and yet they're still Mm -hmm. waiting around for everything to be done properly.
0: I think that just says a lot about what they wanted to accomplish there, how it wasn't, again, it wasn't about what they wanted to do necessarily, or what they wanted to do in their flesh, you could say. So if they if they were just thinking, well, we're in this unjust situation. Now the miracle happened. So now we can get out and maybe we'll witness to the jailer on the way and we'll convert him. And then we're leaving the jail with him because it's unjust that we are in the jail. And so now we've converted the jailer so we can we can leave now. Right. But they actually took the extra steps to make sure that he would be okay the next day, that there wouldn't be any natural repercussions against him because of what happened. I think that's that's a lot of go the extra miles right there because in no rational or you know reasonable system do you have to do that like you're unjustly imprisoned you've been set free and even spiritually you converted the jailer great you're good to go but they took the extra step to make sure he wouldn't have any repercussions the next day and I also love I don't know how much we'll get into this but the next day when the people that imprisoned them are like, no, you guys can go. That's when they kind of play the card. And they're like, no, 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 no. You come here and talk to us. But this, their whole mindset, it wasn't about, okay, finally, I'm getting my justice. It was what can I do for this guy? What can I do for the jail? I want to go back to something David had brought up before,
2: is if you remember Peter, the people prayed for Peter and an angel came and guided him out, right? Out of prison. In this case, the angel or whatever caused the earthquake, opened all the doors, but now they're not to escape. And I think this is a really important point when we're praying, is you start seeing motives in your prayer. If it's to self-protect, self-preserve, a lot of times that isn't the same thing as being on a mission with God. Peter... If he stayed in prison, would have stayed in prison. He wasn't complaining. He's probably still preaching the gospel too, but he's taken out. And so there's the the mechanism that the enemy does to try to stop us and and shortchange us and to short circuit us. God has a response to those things if we stay in that place. But it's all for us getting the mission to where we're supposed to go because it will affect someone else because God knows what you need. You know what I'm saying? So we don't have to be in those moments of self-preservation and and that we can we can trust him for that. But I think it's very interesting and it's very likely that the jailer was there ordering how many whips and how many beatings that Paul and Silas should get because he was responsible for the punishment of the prisoners. So now just imagine that context, that the man who's ordering your beatings You're doing things to make sure he is protected. What would that do to the heart of a person? I just want you to picture that mercy triumphs over judgment. What do you think it would do when you deserve every right to hold this person in contempt and you choose to protect that person? As we see, the man's converted, his whole house is converted, and it is the most likely story that is looked at that is the man who started the church of Philippi and is most likely the man that Paul saw in the dream. So the thing that you're actually going after appears to be the thing that's actually against you. And think about the power of love, the power of identity, the power of self-sacrifice, how it broke through all of that to change a city The Church of Philippi is the most loyal, committed church to Paul and supported him when the other churches didn't. And Paul would never have been able to do what he did without the Church of Philippi. So the thing that he needed the most appeared to be the thing that was against him the most. But it broke through, and here he is. I just think there's just so much—it should help us in how we pray— how we think about things, how we look at things, when scenarios come, it's not just a cliche to say, okay, God, there's some opportunity in this. And at least I'm just thankful that you're with me. Like there's something that causes us to rise up in all of those situations, but not so we can get our situation fixed in the way we want it fixed. It's so that we can be positioned to do the thing that God's going to have the most impact with. And that's where we're the most fulfilled. At the same time,
0: that's where you're the most fulfilled. And I'd say that's where you can endure the most things too. And and because it's not from a motive of, well, how can I accomplish this thing that that is for me It's for the will of God. And and the thing that he has brought to your heart, because I think you make a very you bring up Acts 12 where Peter's out of prison. And that's such an important story to go alongside this one, because I've seen so many people take this story of paul and silas and now we'll form a theology or a prayer group around well let's have worship until midnight and pray for our earthquake or we're going to keep worshiping worshiping until our earthquake miracle happens and you're missing the point because it's not well here's the formula for how to get out of the bad situation in your life because that's what paul and silas did led by the spirit but then peter also in prison like he said the spirit led him out of the prison and for peter If he would have said, well, I'm just going to stay in the prison and sing worship songs, he probably would have died or at least stayed in prison the rest of his life. But the spirit leading in one direction or the other is the point, not how can I copy and paste what they did and try to get a cool miracle too. And I think as long as we start from the right motive of our heart of what has my father called me to do? Who's the person I'm trying to reach? What can I do for them? How can I help someone, or how can I, um, you know, further the the vision of the kingdom that he's put on my heart? Then I think we can approach those difficult situations. Whether it's hey, you need to stay stay in jail overnight, or whether it's hey, get out of jail now, they're going to kill you. But I just I caution people on that, and not really a caution, I guess, but just be aware of the motive. You're not trying to copy and paste Acts 16 into your situation to get the same result or Acts 12 to get that result. Don't think of it that way. Understand the heart and the motive of Paul and Peter and Silas and then we can walk the journey.
1: Yeah, there's like the all these mental things that had to all fit in order for this situation to work out. And if he had the mindset of Peter, then he wouldn't have made it in this situation or if he had the mindset of the some other mindset he wouldn't have made it he had to have like god's spiritual the mind of christ you know
0: i think that's that's a great question for us to ask ourselves when we're in situations not well what did so and so do so how let me do what they did exactly because it's similar so i want the same thing i mean there there's a lot of overlap sometimes yeah, yeah but Like you were saying, David, it's the spirit that leads. It was the spirit leading Paul. It was the spirit leading Peter. It's the spirit leading Silas. It's the same spirit that leads us. And so as long as we continue to renew our minds to that, like you were saying, then you'll be. And Jason, we've had this conversation
2: so many times. So I know what you're saying in this. I just wanted to kind of bring some clarity to the listener. It's not that you can't look at someone to, to learn to how they handled things. You have to learn what their motives was and their character in those things because you could still have gone back to the story of Peter and had the strength of his character in that situation, but you're not trying to find a story that gives you the outcome that you want. You're trying to find how people within similar stories held their character, even though your outcome could be different. So I just wanted to, we do need those examples, but we need to be looking at the right thing within the example in order to pull that out. And Jason, we've talked about this so much. I know we're on the same page on that. I just wanted to clarify that for those listening.
3: I think something I've been thinking about for the past couple of weeks, and I think it's pointed out in this is Paul and Silas' trust in God in his wisdom was larger than anything that they had known before, how they sort of thought it should have gone or anything like, like that would seem practical and anything like self pity. So I think like the biggest takeaway for me is that um, to always make sure that your trust and faith in God and like, even if it doesn't make sense because pretty much every step of this story from a like practical perspective in the world does not make sense one bit. And I think to have the faith and trust in God to say, it doesn't look like it makes sense. And there was probably other Christians at the time who were going like, what are they doing? Like they could be getting out of this situation. Like people were probably like, they're wasting time in jail. They're sitting there. Like they're, there could have been all the criticisms from the outside. They were probably had, I mean, we're probably receiving all these external criticisms, criticisms. I'm sure we didn't see into their own thoughts, but I'm sure like at some point, how could you not slightly think like, is this really the right call? I guess. I don't know. Just for me personally, unless if I was in that situation, but through it all, it didn't matter what the external criticisms were, their internal thoughts. The biggest thing and the strongest thing in their life was ultimately their trust in God. And so I think if we can, if I can make that my biggest effort and the most valuable thing to me when it comes to like circumstances, because I think even if the circumstances weren't this dire, I think if we practice this and every part of my life and if, if you look at it they practice it in every part of their life leading up to this point so like jesus saying be faithful in the little you'll be faithful in the much like i think if we practice this every day then when it comes to that like if there's an external criticism about something that god is telling you to do from somebody else still do what god is saying to do no matter how small it is and trust in him and i think that will in the future lead to seeing the earthquake happen and knowing this is not my time to walk out. And so I think that's the biggest takeaway for me.
4: I think to follow after you, Caleb, to exactly what you said about when the earthquake comes, maybe it's not your opportunity to take. And for me, I walk away thinking if there's a door open, it doesn't always mean I'm supposed to walk through it. And when I'm connected with God in my identity, I know those opportunities and I know what that's supposed to do. And so walking out this for me, I'm going to be aware of all the opportunities that come my way that seem to be coming from God or is God opening a door. But is my character supposed to be walking out of that door? Is my character supposed to be still in prison, having an impact. And because it's a choice. They could have walked free. They could have left. But it would have changed the story. And so I'm thinking of where I'm at right now. Every door doesn't mean walk through it.
0: On that on that line, do you think the earthquake was to let them out or to bring the jailer in? So I don't think the earthquake was for them to go out. It was to bring him in. So
2: what you're saying is just because you're standing close to a door and it opens doesn't necessarily mean you're supposed to be the one who's running out of it. Maybe it was open for the person to get inside. It's a good thought.
0: All right. We're going to wrap it up with this. I wanted to end this uh, topic on a more encouraging thing because the mo- most of the time when I hear this story taught on there's a lot of focus on when they were in the prison, and I get it. That was kind of a big deal. But in the grand scheme of things, I guarantee you that Paul and Silas did not look at the beatings and the time in prison as the big moment of this whole event. They had delivered someone from demon possession, and then they were able to introduce the gospel to this jailer and start a church there. So when they look back on this whole weekend of theirs, I guarantee you it is victory and joy and amazement that they remember. And yeah, they had to go to jail for a little bit and get beat up. But the joy and the fulfillment of what was accomplished for the kingdom of God in that time so outweighs any of uh, the discomfort. And I say that so that all of our listeners will know when God's leading you into something and there's turmoil, the turmoil sucks and it can be very painful, but you will not account it for anything. Later on in the journey, it will seem so insignificant because your father doesn't bring you into something for the pain and the turmoil and to keep you lowly and humble and sad and burnt out and beaten all the time. That's not why he's bringing you into something. It's so much better than that. So keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes on the vision and you'll find the joy and the comfort in it to where if you want, you can stay up till midnight singing hymns and it's not going to bother you. So we appreciate you guys listening in to every episode. If you're new to the podcast and you want to get some context on who we are, what we do, go back into the archives a bit, listen to a few of the previous episodes where we talk about Mission 300, what our program is and what we do and what we're all about. But uh, we appreciate you guys listening in. Until next time, keep the faith and stay in the fight.